2: What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 191. Who cares? With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of LooneyVayNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemski from phillyvoice.com. We're going to get into the strengths, but more so the weaknesses of each of the Eagles' three division rivals in the NFC East. Of course, we were referring to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll save them for last. The New York Giants, we'll handle them first. And the Washington football team, which we'll get to in the middle segment. Brandon... What's going on, buddy? So this this is almost like an
1: extension to me of our last episode in some respects, where we looked at the reasons to be optimistic about the seagull season. Now we have some more optimism here in the <laughs> uh, shot and fraud. How do you say? I don't, it? Shot I don't know. Shot? I've Whatever. never really
2: known how to. Pronu- I can I can spell it, but I mm-hmm. I don't know really how to how to pronounce. Sh- I I thought it was like Freud at the end. Probably. Probably is. I probably said it wrong. But
1: in any case, uh, the point is, you know, enjoying or reveling in the misery or the potential misery of the Eagles rivals. So, uh, don't say we never said anything nice or optimistic ever. Um, BGN radio, obviously, We're saying BGN something brought nice to you by,
2: by bashing, <laughs> by bashing something yeah. else.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> that's fine. Um, BGN radio, as always brought to you by Righteous craft turkey and wildnaturepet.com. Use discount code BGN15 at both of those to get uh, 15% off either meat snacks for yourself or dog treats for your dog. And Jimmy, why don't we just get into yeah, it?
2: Yeah, so uh this is sort of an extension of the Dumpster Fire series which I published a few weeks ago now. Um we always start that series off with the Cowboys, but again, we'll start we'll we'll save them for the for the end. We'll start here with the New York Giants who uh their fans were <laughs> <angry. Whee! laughs> the angriest by far of the three teams fans. Actually, Cowboys fans really took theirs very well this year, which was uh out of the ordinary. Washington fans always seem to be able to take it in stride. I think they understand you know what you know, how much of a um disgrace their franchise is. So they kind of take that in stride. But uh we'll start with the Giants. Um first of all, we'll just note some of their positives, which of course in my opinion is their skill position players with Saquon Barkley and now they signed Kenny Galladay to a ridiculous contract. They already had uh, Darius Slayton. They have um uh who am I missing Town Shepherd uh they signed John Ross to uh to you know a flyer contract. They drafted um Darius uh, Tony. Tony in the first round after they missed on uh, Devontae Smith. So they have good skill position players. Defense was better last year than it had been previously. I still think there's some holes there, which we'll get into. Uh, but as far as like when you're looking at the positives of, of this team, that would be it. Like just their their skill position players. So let's just sort of go. Point by point, and we'll use sort of the dumpster fire pieces as a template. And the first thing right off the bat was I pointed out that they are crybaby losers, and of course (laughs) we're referring uh, the crybaby part. The crybaby part refers to um, you know them crying about the Eagles not helping them get into the playoffs last year uh, in a in what was a meaningless Week 17 game for the Eagles that they basically tanked. Uh, allowing Washington to to win the division and in turn only have the 19th overall pick, <laughs> heads are getting stomped out in the uh, first round of the playoffs. But the, the bigger point that I made here was they have the worst record in the NFL since 2017, or tied for the worst record in the NFL with the Jets. So the two New Jersey teams are both 18 and 46 since 2017. That is a winning percentage of 281. Now their point differential. Uh, Over that span is minus 372, uh, which is the third worst. Only the Bengals at minus 400 and the Jets at minus 489 are worse. So congratulations uh, to the Giants for having a better point differential than those two teams. But, uh, I mean, we're, we're just looking at a franchise here that that likes to call themselves classy and they like to have this high opinion of themselves. But really, they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL over the last four years. I mean, granted they have the two Super Bowls that are semi-recent, but uh they, they have sort of turned into a franchise that is, you know, I think we just kind of expect to lose at this point. They're a
1: dumpster fire to me, really, as a franchise. They have been for a while now. I think one of the biggest things that I think about when it comes to the Giants in the offseason is how I made those crying sounds earlier to me, and they're <laughs> obsessed with how things went in week seventeen last year. And like I mean, you've seen it from their promotion side in terms of like their Twitter yes. account and everything. Like, oh, we we want the Eagles like more than anyone. Oh, you want the and, team that went
2: four, eleven, and one as opposed to the right. two Super Bowl teams who are also on your schedule this year? Yeah, like
1: set the target higher, Giants. <laughs> yeah. And also like the the just the obsession with it, because it's not just like the tw- it's it's been on multiple things. Like Xavier McKinney was talking about, like the uh-huh. Eagles recently in that game. So like the players, Joe Judge obviously sure. came out with yeah. his whatever stupid stuff about it. Uh the- So the organization, social media, like it's not just one little thing. Like it's multiple things, and it kind of reminds me of Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears, where it felt like Uh, after the double doink, they made that entire offseason about, like, making kicks. Literally, (laughs) in training camp, Nagy was having, like, kickers line up exactly where they missed – Cody Parking missed that field goal. They brought in, like, seven or eight guys, too, didn't they? Yeah, they they had a bunch of kickers. And it's like they almost just, like, made the entire offseason about Mm -hmm. that. Like, the classic, like, overcorrection. We need to – like, that's what I feel like the Giants are almost doing with the Eagles here. And that gives me cause for concern for them. Oh, yeah.
2: It's a very weird thing to do. And, like, actually, it's funny because, like, one of the, one of the, like, common re- responses that I got from, you know, Giants fans that weren't happy with, uh, with that article is, oh, Philly's the little brother to New York. And, you know, like, and, like, a lot of, like, we're living rent free in your head. Like, well, you're not really because, I mean, <laughs> it's the first of all, I don't care. Like, like, it doesn't, like, I don't really care, like, about, you know, I care more about, like, my own, like, uh, content and like the success that I have as opposed to the Eagle success. Like I just don't care as much about them as I do about myself. So like the, the idea that, um, that, uh, The Giants are living rent-free in my head is just absolutely ridiculous to me. And it's funny because the Eagles have absolutely owned the Giants over the last, I mean, what, like 15 years now at this point? Maybe not that long, but at least 10. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what the records are at this point. Obviously, they split last year. Giants outplayed them in both of those games. But the idea that the Giants are, and I'm putting up my air quotes, living rent-free in my head is, is like pure comedy in my opinion when I was reading those responses.
1: So RJ Ochoa and I did a thing for the NFC Mixtape which you can listen to here on the Leading Your Nation podcast feed in the middle of the week um about like the worst losses like for the Eagles to every NFC rival and then he did the Cowboys to every okay. NFC rival and and picking the Giants game was like both not easy and also really easy because not easy in the sense that Jimmy in the past 10 seasons the Eagles are fifteen and five against the Giants, so there's only five yeah. losses to pick from. If you're talking about the oh, worst, oh, so one. they're picking their
2: their worst losses to each of the other three teams. Got yes, it. which correct. one did you have for the Giants?
1: I went ended up going for the Eagles, like the Eagles' worst to the Giants. I went with 2011, where it was like week three because like oh, what other Victor you going
2: against Namdi? Yeah, 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 Victor yeah. Cruz that was, that was and Namdi, and
1: also, in like in hindsight too, it looks even worse because like the Giants were like. Or the Eagles were, were one win away from making the playoffs right. still that year, miraculously. And the Giants won the Super Bowl that year with the, like the flukiest playoff, the Super Bowl run of all time. So that really hurt in hindsight. Um, but the point being there, like the Eagles have owned the Giants for a long time now. And even some of those like five losses, you have like Andy Reid's last game in there, where the team was clearly just checked out. You have like a Matt Barkley, like Matt Parkey, Barkley played most of the like, as a rookie, mm-hmm. most like in one of those yeah. games in 2013. Like so, these weren't even like Carson Wentz's rookie season was in there, like where he threw ten assessments in like the first two drives, like just you they know, a chance really
2: to bad win. Uh, like he, he threw a bad throw they did, on yeah. a fade, a <laughs> yeah. slot fade to Jordan Matthews. J-man. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, just the Eagles, like. There's no, before this year, really, like, and even maybe still this year, Jimmy, whenever we look at, like, the Eagles schedule and you see the Giants on the schedule, it's like, that's two wins or at least one. Like, it's it's probably two, at least one. Like, there's no fear of the Giants. So, the rent-free thing is really rich.
2: What do you think they do with the Giants this year, by the way? I think I'm going to go with a split this year.
1: I think I had them splitting. For as much as we make fun of the Giants, obviously the Eagles have <laughs> right. their issues as well.
2: So the next two uh, points were very, you know, obvious and easy. One is that Daniel Jones has not been good in his first two years. Excuse me, in the NFL, um, leads the leads the NFL in turnovers with 39 mm. of them, and he and he missed six starts, so he's down like he only he's only started 26 games um, out of 32, and he leads the NFL with 39 turnovers, so it's not great. And then, um, I mean. He had a, he had a ton as a rookie, but last year I think he actually played worse uh, than he did in his rookie season because uh, he like the the you know his playmaking ability wasn't wasn't quite there. Whereas he actually made a bunch of plays uh, as a rookie. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Daniel Jones going forward?
1: I always say like I've seen some flashes with Daniel Jones. Like like something is there. I can see mm-hmm. something there. I don't like feel great about it, but like. I want to contrast that with what I always say like Dwayne Haskins like I've never seen anything that Dwayne Haskins do that makes me believe oh that That's guy fair. like maybe there's something there like I just I, and same thing with Trubisky like I just don't see it at all with this guy like not even a little bit with Daniel Jones I can see like a little bit of him uh like you know making some big plays down the field again I think I brought the stat to you before Jimmy around like the Kenny Galladay signing like Daniel Jones had like like the best. I forget, it was like the highest PFF grade or whatever, like on throws twenty yards down the field. Like he can kind of sling it. Um now and he's, maybe and he's that'll fast manifest as we more saw,
2: against the against the Eagles. And he, he can run.
1: He is mobile. He is mobile, um, which is like a big upgrade after you yes. know having Eli back there for years. Like that's a nice like dynamic they have through the offense now. But but yeah, I mean the turnover thing is just like not going away in my mind. Like we saw it with Carson Wentz. The fumbles are just if you fumble at that high of a rate. I kind of just feel like that's who you are, and it it's never going to get better. It's
2: a weird thing because it is, in theory, predictable or not uh, uh, correctable. Like you just hmm. hold onto the ball with two it? hands, but for some reason, these guys that fumble. You're right. I mean, it they, they just for whatever reason they they seem to continue to do so. Uh, all right. So the next obvious thing for me was that their offensive line is garbage. <laughs> it's just hmm. it has been for a long time, and it is still just. But first of all, they they got rid of their best uh, starting. Offensive lineman, Kevin Zeitler, who was their right guard. And uh, now they have a, a lineup that's going to look probably like this. And it's left guard, Andrew Thomas, left guard, excuse me, left tackle, Andrew Thomas, left guard, Shane Lemieux, who I think Giants fans, Giants reporters uh, all agree he was terrible last year. Center, Nick Gates, uh, right guard, Will Hernandez, he's moving over from left guard to right guard to take Zeitler's spot, it appears. And right tackle, Matt Pert, I think it's how you pronounce it, out of UConn. So you look at Andrew Thomas, we'll start with him. Um, Giants had their pick of the litter of offensive tackles in the 2020 draft. They had their choice between him, uh, Tristan Wirfs, uh, Mackay Becton, who landed with the Jets, and, uh, oh, who am I missing? Oh, Jendrick Wills, who uh, landed with the Browns. And by far, they took, like, I mean, those three guys look like they're Pro Bowl players already. Uh, And uh, just from their rookie seasons and Andrew Thomas, not as much. So (laughs) they missed, like they took the worst possible of those players. And um, uh, he's going to be their starting left tackle more than likely in, uh, obviously, you know, it's only one season. He can wind up being a good player eventually, but it looks early on like they picked the wrong guy there. And then the other, uh, the other spot that I'll mention is Parrott at uh, right tackle. I liked him as a prospect coming out, but he played almost like not at all. Uh, he played a little bit as a rookie, but uh, you know they're going with a lot of youth along their offensive line with Lemieux. Um, Her- Hernandez has been sort of a, a disappointment in his first few years in the NFL. Like they drafted him, I think 35th overall. It's definitely a, an early second round pick, and uh, he looked like he might be decent as a rookie, but he has not really improved. So they got a lot of a lot of young guys and a lot of like you know how we talk about ifs in terms of like the Eagles offensive line but their ifs are more like if this guy can stay healthy and that guy can stay healthy their ifs are more like if this guy can suddenly become good after being <laughs> after not like really showing anything then uh then you know their offensive line might be okay pro football focus by the way ranked them as the worst uh offensive line uh heading into the 2021 season and uh wow. you know I have my disagreements with PFF on from time to time but on that one I do certainly agree that uh that that it is it is not a very good unit, so you got that unit in front of uh Daniel Jones, who turns the ball over a lot. Not a good combination. It feels funny too, because like this is the
1: same problem the Giants had back in like like let's say. 2016 or like 2017, like these, this run of Giants teams that had like Odell Beckham, (laughs) right? And like Sterling Shepard and some like decent weapons there, but just couldn't protect Eli. That was why we were never afraid of the Giants going into any season. It's like, okay, sure, they have some nice weapons and they'll probably, you know, burn the Eagles from time to time, but like the Eagles are ultimately going to be able to beat them because they will beat them in Mm -hmm. the trenches. And that's what they've been able to do in the past. Um, so definitely kind of agree with that. By the way, you look, sorry Uh, to
2: catch up, but you look at the strengths of like the, uh, the Eagles. And uh, Washington, for example, like the Eagles, the, mm-hmm. the strength of the Eagles team is their defensive line, in my opinion. And then obviously the strength of the entire division, like the best unit for like any team in the division is probably Washington's defensive line. So like they're going to be tested against those two teams. And then whoever, that, Dallas, you know, we'll get to them in a minute, but their defensive line's trash, but you know they're dealing with four games right off the bat in philly and washington where they're going to be overmatched uh in the trenches on that side of the ball and then whoever i don't, I don't off the top of my head i don't know who, what their schedule looks like but they're going to face other you know good pass rushing defenses for sure throughout the rest of the year
1: kind of funny too because the giants actually beat washington twice last year mm-hmm. but um you know we'll see if they can do that again um the, the other thing i wanted to say jimmy and maybe you're going to get to this but we're kind of wrapping up on the giants anyway soon here um Jason Garrett is still their offensive coordinator. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, I feel like it's easy to kind of forget. Like and look, I think Jason Garrett kind of like I'm not gonna stand for Jason Garrett here. I think he's uh, maybe a little bit uh doesn't get as much credit as he deserves sometimes in the scope of like you know, he did some positive things with Dallas. It wasn't like literally a dumpster fire year in and year out. Um and they had some offensive success there. Now, obviously he wasn't the play caller and everything, so um, but I mean, just more recently, like what kind of level of inspiration is Jason Garrett really giving you? Like could the Giants manage their way into a mediocre kind of offense this year? Sure like that's what I'm saying when I'm kind of like saying so I think Jason Garrett is capable of that. I think they can have an average offense, but I wouldn't say like that's a, a guarantee. And I would say he has to be one of the least inspiring
2: play callers in the NFL. Well, on that on that uh, on that note, like you look at just the Giants offensive ranks last year. Points per game, they're 31st. Yards per game, 31st. Yards per play, 29th. Red zone touchdown percentage, 31st. First downs per game, 31st. Third down percentage, 29th. Yards per pass attempt, 29th. (laughs) Turnovers are tied for 20th. So, I mean, they have, like we mentioned, they have some talent on offense, but for whatever reason couldn't put it together. There's also some stat that I saw, which I don't – I didn't include in my dumpster fire thing because I didn't see it in time. But um, they – the percentage of plays where they had like guys going in motion, which has become such a huge trend in the NFL to sort of diagnose whether the, you know, the defense is in man's zone order or whatever, gives the quarterback a good look at what, you know, the defense is trying to do to them. Um, the percentage of plays where like they had guys going, I don't know what it was off the top of my head, but it was among like the the lowest in the NFL. I think it might've uh-huh. been the lowest in the NFL, but it was some really like low percentage. So he hasn't really adapted to the uh, growing successful trends in the NFL and seems to just keep doing what he's been doing for the last, you know, 15 years or whatever it's been.
1: So I actually have a theory of the Giants to me, and it has to do with Jason Garrett. And let me know if this sounds crazy. Maybe it doesn't. Um, I feel like, Kind of, and it, this is kind of the model for the, how the Giants have to be good this year. And maybe it won't work because their offensive line isn't good enough, but maybe they can actually run block. I feel like basically the plan might be to kind of like make Saquon Zeke and just give him like, like run the entire offense through him, limit the amount of times that Daniel Jones needs to throw. Like, ideally, you know, have Daniel Jones be at the bottom of the league and like pass attempts per game. And, uh, that's just kind of what I've been thinking with like Garrett there, you know, cause he had, he loved to use Zeke like that. And they would just, they would hide and it worked at, for, at times for the Cowboys. Like they would hide their defense because Zeke was getting the ball game long and they controlled the clock and they controlled the, uh, the game flow. And they usually, you know, weren't playing from behind. So they were able to do this, um, what do you think well, about Well,
2: I don't that? know if they can do that because, you know... Uh, well, I don't know if they can, but I think that's the goal I I'm mean, the, well, the saying. I mean, another point that I made in, in the dumpster fire piece was, will Saquon Barkley ever even be the same again coming off this? I yeah. mean, he tore up his knee. It wasn't just an ACL. It was an ACL, and I believe off the top of my head, it was a meniscus as well. So, I mean, it's not just your run of the mill ACL recovery and everyone points to Adrian Peterson when he tore up his knee and he came back and he was awesome the next year. Well, that's like the anomaly of all anomalies. So like, you know, I think anyone can count on that happening with, with Saquon Barkley. Um, And the idea that the giants or excuse me, the, the Cowboys took Ezekiel Elliott with the fourth overall pick was dumb. And then it was equally dumb when the giants took Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick. And it's not because those players aren't, you know, aren't good and, you know, aren't, you know, immediately like one of the best at their position in the NFL. It's just the value of that position isn't worth it. And it's just crazy that, you know, they didn't identify that when, when it came time to, to make that pick. So, uh, I guess the alternative would have been Sam Darnold. So that argument has maybe weakened a little bit over time because Darnold has also been, well, not also been, because Saquon's been good, but Darnold has, you know, was bad, obviously with the Jets and is already on another team. But, um, you know, the idea, to trade it the, down. the idea, yeah, it's true. The idea that, um, you know, that that Saquon, uh, that they can run their offense completely through Saquon is uh, risky at best. Because if he does go down, then what do you do? I think kind of closing things here on the Giants, Jimmy. Well, one thing to note, too, we didn't even get to the defense yet, but here's a list of the quarterbacks they beat last year. So <laughs> you said already they beat Washington Choice last year. They beat Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. They of course beat the Eagles. They beat Carson Wentz, the worst starting quarterback in the NFL last year. They beat the Bengals, and this was post uh, Joe Burrow injury. So they beat Brandon Allen. They beat Russell Wilson, wow. which was I think their one really impressive win last year. And then in Seattle, in yeah, Seattle, great win. and then they beat uh, Andy Dalton uh, with the Cowboys. So uh, you know, five out of six of those losses or uh, of their wins last year were to quarterbacks that are going to be backups this year or out of the league. Or one that was traded because, and, and the team that traded them was willing to take on a $33 million <laughs> dead money cap hit. So, uh, not great when you look at their prospects going forward if they don't get to face these low level quarterbacks in 2021 like they did in 2020.
1: All right, Jimmy. Well, we're going to transition now to the Washington football team. But before we do, let me tell you about Righteous Felon, Craft Jerky. Righteous Felon, Craft Jerky, Jimmy, not a dumpster fire. Far from it. The exact, literally, the exact opposite. What what is the exact opposite of a dumpster fire? Like what's what's what
2: is the? I would say it's it like a gay... bathtub full of soft serve vanilla and chocolate ice cream with rainbow sprinkles. Okay,
1: yeah. So, righteous felon craft turkey isn't ice cream, <laughs> but it is the equivalent of whatever Jimmy just said there. <laughs> yeah. It is magical. It's great. You want some, loyal listeners of BGN Radio support the podcast by getting it all the time and they love it so why not add yourself to that mix by going to right to sell them.com using discount code bdn15 for 15 percent off your order and getting yourself some great snacks for the rest of the summer and also i mean you're you're out there it's summertime you're walking your dog and you want to give them some uh, snacks too especially because maybe i mean you're not walking them too much because it's really hot and they're just hanging out inside And, uh, you know, you want to spoil them a little bit. So as you should, as a dog owner, you should do that. Make your dog's life the best it can be by going to wildnaturepet.com using discount code BTN15 for 15% off and getting your dog, your best friend, man's best friend, some great dog treats.
2: Jimmy. Back after this.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. V-A-N-29.com.
1: Back here on BGN Radio episode 191. It doesn't matter, as we always say. Jimmy, it's time to talk
2: about the Washington football team. Yeah, this was the hardest one for me to write, by the way, because it was hard coming up with 10 things to really uh, knock about this team because they have a good roster. It's just that, as always... Wake me up when they get a quarterback. Cause <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, in my opinion, is just sort of the next in a long line of mediocre guys that have been sort of at the, uh, at the helm for them. He's on his ninth team in the NFL career winning percentage of 409. Um, and you know, they, they, they here's, here's a list of, I'm just going to run through this very quick, li- not quick list, but list of quarterbacks that the, that washington has had since dan snyder bought the team in 1999 ready so we got brad johnson jeff george tony Banks, shane matthews patrick ramsey danny werfel tim hasselbeck mark brunel jason campbell todd collins donovan McNabb, rex grossman john beck robert griffin the third colt mccoy kirk quote quote unquote kurt cousins alex smith mark sanchez josh johnson case keenum dwayne haskins kyle allen taylor heineke and coming soon Patrick. So, like, he got sort of this mediocre quarterback always in place in Washington. And they're just not going anywhere until they find a, a long term solution at that spot. I agree with you in the long term sense
1: that, and we've talked about this kind of before about like how Washington arguably, you know, were, were big losers in the draft because they did not find a franchise quarterback. And like, that's kind of the yeah. problem. But I will say that. I don't know if I want to say he's being underrated, but when uh, RJ and I did our most overrated players for each NFC okay. team in the, on the NFC's mixtape, he picked Ryan Fitzpatrick as Washington's most overrated okay. player in offense. And I don't agree with that, because I don't think anyone is rating Ryan Fitzpatrick as, like, some amazing quarterback. I agree with that. I think, but I think he is kind of, like, so... It's it's hard to say he's good because he's inconsistent, but like he does have high highs and there are some metrics that point to him like kind of being a good player, especially the stage in his career, which is, you know, kind of a weird arc, but like he was six in EPA per passing play last year, Jimmy. And he was also six in QBR. Like there are some metrics out there. And then even, you know, like if you want to take different ones, like he wasn't like bad. I think people, that's what I'll, that's what I I'll argue against. For people who say like, he's just straight up bad. He's not just bad. It's not, it's not that simple. He has bad games for sure. And there's going to be turnovers. But like, I think putting him on this team is such a good fit because when he does have those kind of games where he's turned over the ball, it's not going to matter as much because the defense is going to be able to kind of bail him out from time to time. And when he does get, on a roll, which we've seen him do, that's going to be dangerous. That's a dangerous combination because then, let's say, he's slinging it, he's building up a lead, and then that defense has a lead to play with. Then that defense is going to be even better, in my mind. So I think this pairing is not like making Washington a Super Bowl contender, but I think, and I've said this before, like, I think they,
2: to me, they're the NFC's favorites still. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Like, so he is a high uh, variance quarterback kind of in the same way that, like, Nick Foles was. So, like, their yep. best hope is that they get into the playoffs and they, he just happens to be on a on a hot streak throughout the entirety of the playoffs and they win the Super Bowl. But uh, I think, you know, obviously that's super unrealistic. Um, I will say that he is, you know, I mean, he's better than anyone they had last year, of course. So he's... he's which a significant. <laughs> yeah, right. He's, he's definitely an upgrade from from everything that they had. And, you know, like, on the one hand, he's mediocre and the team will probably be mediocre as long until they find that long-term solution. But on the other hand, mediocrity can win the division <laughs> as we saw last year, of course. So, um, you know, you look at just wh- what this franchise is and what they've been over the last, you know, like 25 years or whatever. And they're just been a disaster and maybe a few years of mediocrity and winning the division as a mediocre team is not bad for what they were and have been for, for so long. And you can maybe start building a culture that, maybe expects to not be the doormat of the NFC. So, like, mediocre isn't necessarily the worst thing for what this franchise has been. Like, I think I'd be more harshly critical of the way that they haven't, you know, gone out and fi- found a quarterback if it were another franchise. But for them, I think maybe he kind of works in the short term. So I'm with you there. Like, I I think, like, it's not a, it's not a signing that I really killed when they made it. But at the same time, again, just... Wake me up until they find someone real. Yeah, it doesn't move the needle in the long term,
1: which again I totally get. Um, I want to talk about because we didn't really get into their positives at the top, like we said we were. Mm. Oh, but, yeah, um, right. Mm-hmm. Unless we're saying Fitzpatrick is, you know, like I mean, the positive is again he's a bit he like I I don't think that can be like un, like like emphasized enough. Like they're playing Dwayne Haskins, who freaking sucks out there. He was their starter last year. Like Alex that's Smith joke. was he,
2: a great story, also terrible last year. He was donezo. Yeah. And he
1: retired now. Like he clearly he not playing anymore. Uh Henneke, you know, had that little run, but like, come on. He was an XFL backup. And <laughs> right. then Kyle Allen, you know, not viable. Like like they were that they won seven games is like really impressive to me. And that kind of parlays into my next point. Ron Rivera, I think he's the best head coach in the division. I I don't think Ron Rivera is an elite head coach, but I think he's a good head coach Mm -hmm. and a respectable head coach. And I don't really know if I can tell you if any other coach in the NFC East right now, like, I I, I wouldn't say any other coach is a good coach. I I can't tell you anything about Nick Sirianni. We just don't know. Joe Judge, I think, might be able to be a good coach. I don't know. I think Jerry's obviously out on him. And then... Uh, Mike McCarthy, I don't believe is a good head coach. Right. I believe Ron Rivera is a good head coach, and he's the best in the division. And I think last year showed that because I think one of the biggest hallmarks of a good coach, as we saw with Doug Peterson, is how teams respond to adversity. My good enemy RJ likes to talk about how Ron Rivera has been like the 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 guy to win uh, the division with a losing record like more than once. Like he did it with the Panthers. He oh, did I didn't watch that. Last That's year. funny though he tries to hold that against him but to me that kind of (laughs) like and i get that but that kind of signals to me too there's like a response like he has managed his way through adversity throughout all of that like he in a a year where everyone is bad in the vision he has managed to be not the worst like he has been able to hold the team together and prevent them from being a total joke so uh, i think that's a big factor they have working in their favor
2: yeah and um uh like the uh, when we get when we talk about the actual positives of the roster too like the defensive line as we already we already mentioned is it's awesome and then you know like their secondary is is pretty underrated it, it good too like um like their safeties for example, like Land- Landon Collins is coming back. Like I don't think he should even start. Really, mm-hmm. like they have a guy named Cameron Curl who had a really good rookie good. season last year. Uh, who's their other safety? His, his name is escaping me right now. Uh... You're not talking about Jeremy Reeves, former no, Eagles player. No, no, no. He's no. in there though. He's in the. He's like. He's in there. Their, uh, he got some chart. playing time last year. Yeah. Where am I missing. But they've. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm just looking that up here. I'm cheating. Oh, uh, it's Troy Apke. At- nah, Troy Apke. That's not who I could have been thinking uh, Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, but their their cornerbacks are good. They, they signed William Jackson in free agency. I thought that was a good signing. They have Kendall yep. Fuller, who I think is a really good cornerback as it is. um, They, they of course, drafted Jamin Davis uh, as a linebacker in the first round. So I think he's an upgrade over what they had there. And then, you know, offensively, their skill position players are really good. Terry McLaurin is a legit number one receiver in the NFL. They signed Curtis Samuel, whatever um they they drafted Deami Brown in the third round I liked him as a prospect coming out so we'll see the the, the next day oh and uh sorry running back too like I like Antonio Gibson as sort of a guy who yeah. can do a lot of like those Memphis backs they're you know they're good pass catchers like Tony Pollard uh Antonio Gibson and of course the Eagles just drafted uh Kenneth Gainwell we'll see what he'll be in 2021 but Gibson uh, had a really good rookie season so uh they have talent on both sides of the ball it's just a matter of can Ryan Fitzpatrick get you know take them to the next level? And also their their tackles are the mm. next big concern for me. So they had Trent Williams obviously for a long time at left tackle. They played with him, played without him last year. Of course, he went to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but now they signed Charles Leno Jr. to play left tackle. And they also uh, got rid of right tackle Morgan Moses, and it appears that their second round pick, uh, Sam Cosmi out of Texas, Will be their starting right tackle. So huge question marks on the edges for me um, in that offense behind again a quarterback that uh, you know over the over his career has turned the ball over quite a bit.
1: I think Leno has been solid. I think that he kind of isn't going to be amazing, but I think he's like respectable. Um, we'll see about Cosme uh, Sadiq Charles also in the mix here, right? Or in
2: theory should be. Yeah, he At was. A, he was. A a, he's tackle. a weird. So he he had some character concern concerns coming out of college. Um, LSU, I believe. Yep. And he went third round, I think. Uh, he went a little earlier than some people were expecting because of those character concerns. But on talent alone, like he was, mm-hmm. he was probably going to be like a like an earlier day two pick or even like a late one, possibly uh, if he didn't have those concerns. So I don't know what's going on with him, but I, my understanding is he didn't play much as a rookie. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's looking like uh, Leno and or Leno or Leno, however you say it, Jay Leno's son and Cosme Charles. are probably going to be the starters there. So. Um, it's just uh, it's just not an ideal tackle pairing, and it's weird that they let Moses go. They must know something that everyone yeah. else doesn't, because uh, he signed pretty quickly. With not quickly, but I, did he already sign with the Jets? Yep. Is that done? Yep. Okay, so uh, he landed with the Jets. But uh, when you have like a team that you think is going to contend, and you let your starting right tackle go, is definitely like a like a thinking emoji kind of move. Raises
1: some eyebrows. That's right. Um, what else do you look at here at their roster or coaching staff or what as a weakness?
2: Well, those are the two main ones in terms of like their uh, like the obvious things to point out. But another thing that like would be concerning for me is that uh, their offensive coordinator, just not a lot there. Like we talked we talk about Jason Garrett um, in the, in the first segment with the giants, but Scott Turner uh, was their offensive coordinator last year. And we know their quarterbacks weren't good. And, but they did have like a number of things to work with offensively, like McLaren and Gibson and, uh, Logan Thomas was like a really good emerging tight end, uh, for them last year. Offensive line was decent enough. They were last in the league offensively DVOA. Hmm. So, you know, you look at like some of the other teams around the league with just horrible offensive personality, you start with the Eagles and then you look at like the Jets, you know, the Bengals after Burrow was gone, etc. cetera. Like there are a lot of bad offenses out there. And. Washington finished 32nd in DVOA. So, you know, I think a lot of that has to sort of fall on, on Turner and, um, and, you know, just the lack of creativity and, and, you know, getting more out of the offense.
1: Sure. Um, uh, I think the, uh, what's his name? Totally just blanked on it. The, uh, the receiver they signed this year. Uh, Curtis Samuel. uh, Samuel. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of an overrated addition. Yes. I picked him as my most overrated player. Like, It's funny, like, oh, he's reunited with Ron Rivera. He he didn't. (laughs) He was better without him. (laughs) Yeah, he's better without him. And like, also you look at like his averages, I forget, in rushing and receiving. And like, they gave this guy this money. It's like, it's, they're very low numbers. If you look at his receiving yards per game and his rushing yards per game over his career. So I thought that was kind of overrated. But obviously McLaurin is a really, I think underrated. Again, I'm, I'm really, my brain is really in over underrated, overrated, underrated. Cause I've written about that and podcasted yeah. about that recently. And it's the offseason. What else are we going to talk about? But, um, but yeah, I think McLaurin is actually underrated. I think he's really good. I agree. Um, he, like, huge weapon. Um, and pretty much at every level too. Like he he can beat you deep down the field. I think he can get, obviously we've seen him catch balls short on the Eagles and take it to the house. Like he's just a really legitimate weapon. Um, Yeah. I think it's, I think with Fitzpatrick, it's going to be, it's not obviously, it's not going to be as bad as it was last year. It's campy. And then even, even like how much better? Cause that's, that's always the question, right? That's I I always try to pose that. Just even to kind of compare it to with the Eagles and put an Eagles lens on it with Jalen hurts. Like, no one is saying Jalen Hurts can't get better. But the question is, how much can he realistically get better? Like, is it realistic to say he's going to go from being kind of where he was last year to suddenly a top 10 starter? That's like a big bridge to gap there. Um With Washington, I think they can at least improve to a mediocre offense. I think they have enough pieces for that with everything there. And that could be a big deal because their offense isn't going to have to carry them. Probably, you know, like pairing a mediocre ish offense with a really, really potentially elite, potentially best in the NFL, like that's the ceiling for their defense. Like, that's a good formula for them. Now, I feel like we're doing a bad job here because we're not really <laughs>
2: crapping on Washington
1: <laughs> as much I've, as we should. I have, be, two, but, uh, I, have two,
2: I have two more good ones, I think. Okay, let's hear it. All right. So, well, I, point number one is sort of an A and B. Uh, so, point one A is that they'll have a first place schedule for the first time in a while. So, yes. they got to favorite They're only favored in three games this year. Is too. that right? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every team in the NFC East has essentially the same schedule uh with the exception of three games. So the three floating games, Washington will play the Packers, Seahawks, and Bills. So, you know, those are th- I mean, Packers are obviously, you know, not the elite team that they'll, you know, they would be if Aaron Rodgers were definitely playing there, so we'll see how that plays out, but those I are I think already- going I, I, I think he but is anyway. too. I think he is too. But uh you compare that to the Giants, Giants have Bears, Rams, and Dolphins, it's obviously a lot easier. The Cowboys will have the Vikings, Cardinals, and uh Patriots. That's obviously easier. And then the Eagles have the Lions, 49ers, and Jets. So I mean, that's a that's a decent enough deal. And then and then uh point one B, and this is more like trivia than anything else. Or maybe it isn't, but there hasn't been a repeat NFC's champion mm. since two thousand four. Um and maybe there's a reason for that like maybe it's just because none of these teams have been like dominant over that span <laughs> like it's not just i don't think it's i don't think it's just trivia i think it's just the teams in this division haven't sustained success because they haven't been competent enough to do so so they have to prove that they can do that i totally think that's not just trivia i mean
1: some of that you know there could be some luck or bad luck whatever in there but i think as a whole that speaks to these front offices not really being like that great in terms of clearly year to year (laughs) success. Like no one is building a dynasty or, or or really like knows what they're doing so much more than the other teams in the NFC like, wouldn't you say that's fair to say there isn't, there isn't a front office in this division that is like doing laps
2: around other teams. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like the Eagles were that team for a little bit and then they quickly were not. Nope. So, um, the last point that i'll make here on on sort of that point is Dan Snyder still the owner <laughs> like as long as he still owns the team it's going to be it's going to be a of. it's going to be, pro- be a problem i mean like well his family now owns 100% of the team so there was uh. a thought that maybe like he could be ousted like that's what certainly the fan of, the, the hope of their fan base was and it didn't happen so he still remains the owner of that team and as long as he's there i mean they just had this gigantic scandal that really should have been uh probably a you know a little more heavily covered than than it was like and you know essentially they just got a slap on the wrist with a ten million was it ten million? I think it was just a ten million dollar fine for Snyder, mm-hmm. which is nothing. So drop in the bucket. Pretty much. So um, you know, they got off pretty easy on that. And, uh, but I mean, the fact remains not fact, but like, I mean, every, re- the, the point remains that, I mean, this, this franchise is going to be severely hindered as long as that family is, is in control and it appears they will be for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah. So what happened with Dan Snyder too, for those who don't know, is basically like, so he bought out the team, like a hundred percent ownership, whatever. But then recently he gave co-ownership to his wife, Tanya Snyder who is like, again, like a co-owner with him now. And basically seems to be in charge of the team fully right now herself because Dan Snyder and not so many and not so explicitly was basically suspended basically is what it's like, at least the reading of that punishment, like kind of, it was like, he's going to be away from the team. Basically, like he's not going to be, you know, in charge for an undetermined amount of time. So that's kind of weird. I don't know fully what to make of that. Like, I think Washington fans would hope that Tanya Snyder kind of, like, doesn't run the team like him fully, and, like, maybe she's actually, like, smart and good, but I don't really know how realistic that is, and obviously, I mean, he's married to her, so, like, it seems like they're still probably going to be talking, and there's going to be influence here, so I don't know really what to make of that. I mean, I agree to your point that, like, Dan Snyder, you're never really going to be scared of Washington building some contender Yeah. Like that last, you know, like a dynasty or anything, as long as he's there. But I mean, the thing that my thing on that, though, too, is that like I think he's actually trusted Ron Rivera, though, like to this point, like I haven't seen signs of him, like, you know, meddling in there. And if he kind of steps back and he does legitimately trust Ron Rivera, which is a big if, but if he does, then that kind of mitigates the Dan Snyder factor.
2: Okay, fair enough.
1: All right, so that's everything on Washington, unless you had any, any, any last things on Washington. No, that's about it. Okay. We still need to figure out a team name, I guess, or or we'll see. (laughs) Um, Jimmy, before we get into our favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, at the very end, we have to hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors.
2: Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors.
0: She's the.
2: Five six nine oh six nine two
0: nine
2: five eight five six
1: nine oh six nine two nine five nine two nine five back here on BGN Radio 191 which I don't know why I say the number because it doesn't mean anything, but now you know for the third time or fourth time Jimmy we can't delay any further we have to get to the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Yeah, I'm going to start off uh, in sort of the same way I did with the Giants. Giants are the worst team in the NFL, as we mentioned, over the last uh, four years since 2017. The Cowboys haven't been back to the Super Bowl in the last... It, it, we've now passed the, the quarter century mark of the last time. We, we're now over 25 years uh, since they've been in the Super Bowl, and it's actually been 25 years since they've even appeared in the NFC championship game. So like every other team in the NFC... In the NFC, has appeared in the NFC Championship game except for two other teams. Can you name them?
1: Uh, NFC Championship game: Lions and That's correct. Uh, 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 I don't know.
2: Uh, I, Vikings? I don't know. They're in the now. The Eagles played the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. Duh. Come on. What am I thinking of? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I totally just panicked. That was a terrible pick.
2: <laughs> They're also in the NFC East. Uh, Washington. Yes, yes. <laughs> Washington, Dallas, and the Detroit Lions have not appeared in the NFC Championship game in the last 25 years. So, um, Cowboys, year after year after year, always hyped as some kind of Super Bowl contender, mm. and they always fall short, not even short, just well short of expectations. In fact, like I think like the last time they were even close to getting to the NFC Championship game was... The Dez dropped it game, and as you yeah. and I like to point out repeatedly, like they shouldn't have even been in that position to to be that close because they. I mean, the Lions got robbed in the oh, in the yeah. prior round when hit the Dallas player who commit he committed like clear yeah. pass interference. It was a that, linebacker, yeah, I can't remember his name. Um It was clear, and they called it like they threw a flag on it, and somehow yeah. another reference, and he goes, "No, no, 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 that wasn't pass interference," and they. They picked up the. Fly. It was
1: crazy. Well, didn't pick- didn't Des? Wasn't that when Des Bryant ran out onto the field without his helmet <laughs> yes. on and like which, which basically basically should have the been the penalty? Rest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: screaming <laughs> the offensive player while the Cowboys are on defense. Offensive player runs yeah. out on the field, know how many screaming at the officials, like a clear, <laughs> clear, like you know, fifteen yard penalty. They didn't call that either, but uh, uh-huh. they sh- they shouldn't have even been in the position to to be in that game. And by the way, Des did drop that pass. Like by the way yeah. that that call was written and called. Like it's it's a catch now, but it wasn't then. Um, well, go ahead. My thing on that too always is like there's still time in the game.
1: There's still like right, over two minutes in right. that game or so, and it's Aaron Rodgers and he was shredding their defense. Like he was, <laughs> right. and it's Aaron Rodgers. Like we've seen him come back against the Cowboys before late yes. in the game. Like like there's no chance that like Aaron Rodgers would have came back and led the Packers to victory even if that was called correctly. Like, Correct. That wasn't like the end of the game. That wasn't like you know the final play. Like that, that's like the that's like that. the
2: uh the Eagles beat the Saints if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't, <laughs> doesn't drop that pass. It's the same thing. Or like yeah, the the, you know. the Sixers win the championship if the Kawhi Leonard uh shot doesn't doesn't right. quadruple doink in. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're on the same page there. But anyway, uh the point the point the overall point being here is like there's there's Super world contenders every year. It's actually been a little slower this year than uh than in the past, but um, they are getting their share of hype as they always do, and they always fall short. The other big thing is um, uh, Des Pre- Dak Prescott obviously is returning, but the Cowboys weren't good last year, even when he was like they were one. They were one yes. and three before yep. he went before he went down, and not because of him. Like he was very like he was like on a sort of historic pace with his stats, uh, and you know a lot of that was because they're. You know, behind in games and they're playing catch up, but there are one and three in the games that he started and finished. And, um, I mean, now he's making so much money that like they had, uh, they squandered four years of him being like, he was, he was the NFL rookie of the year, his rookie year. So like. They squandered four years of having him on their payroll at nothing. They could have built their roster around him like so much easier than they did. And uh, now that that time's over. Like he's making uh just a, an absolute boatload of money, and by the way, they're going to be back at the negotiation table in three years, so he's going to keep himself sort of at the top of the uh, quarterback list from here on out, as you know, assuming he continues to play well enough. But uh, yeah, so the, they don't have the advantage of being being able to to build a team around a quarterback that's making like one or two million a year.
1: So I've talked about Dak's early season stretch last year, and RJ has even agreed with me on this. RJ, Cowboys fan, mm-hmm. if you don't know. He has said like Dak wasn't like he wasn't gonna be able to keep up his pace early in the year like right. that was not like what was gonna happen all season long. He has admitted that. Now he likes Dak Prescott obviously a lot more than I do, shocker. But I think like people are romanticizing what Dak did early in the year last year. Like you said, again the team was one and three. Now yeah, the defense was terrible and that played a big part in it. But like a lot of the offensive production too was coming like like later in the games. Like there was some garbage time element there. Like it wasn't like the most meaningful and also. Part of, like, that production, in my mind, was kind of, like... I, I don't think people were accounting for, like, pace. Like, in basketball, let's say, like, when there's a high-scoring game, like, a lot of players are going to score a lot because, like, you're, you're constantly turning the ball over. Like, you're scoring as a team that's right. scoring.
2: Like, then you're giving the ball, like... So the defense, the Cowboys defense, we, had to, look, sorry to, interrupt. Some, we had to look like the chip Kelly era, the same way where yes. they ran the, the hurry up offense and the, yeah. and like, so like they, they got more possessions in every game and they, the other team also had more possessions every game. Yes. So you had to look at them like on a per drive basis, yes. as opposed to a per game basis. Exactly. Thank you for saying that better than I
1: could have. Yeah. You to look <laughs> at efficiency and not just uh volume. Yes. So, uh, so I think there's some of that to it. Like, look, uh, I, the Cowboys offense is going to be good. Like No one is going to say otherwise. No one could really say otherwise unless one of my biggest concerns with the Cowboys, Jimmy, and it's something I talked about why I think their draft was a failure, is that they didn't need to go all in and overcorrect and think fixing the defense is the way we get back to being the best version of ourselves. The Cowboys are the best version of themselves when their offensive line is right, and it could potentially be that way this year. Like ty- Maybe Tyron Smith stays healthy, mm-hmm. although... I think again, like he hasn't played all 16 games since 2015 or so. It's been a while and he's dealt with multiple injuries. Uh, Leo Collins obviously coming off of injury there. Um, Zach Martin coming off of some injury issues last year. Like there's a lot of question marks on that offensive line injury wise. Um, and to me, they should have taken an offensive lineman to have as like either we we'll have to have both as depth now, if someone does get hurt, and also a long-term starter. Uh, you know, if those guys kind of age quicker and, and decline quicker than they expect. I think if anything could unseat this entire Cowboys season, it would be their offensive line falling apart.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what killed their season last year. Like, uh, Smith missed uh, 12 games, I think. And I know he missed at least the final 12 games. Uh, Lyle Collins missed the entire season. Zach Martin missed six games, I think it was. But the way I look at Tyron Smith now is, like, he's he's only 30 but he entered the league so young like he entered the league when he was 20 years old so he like he's now going to be in his 11th season and he's got like 140ish uh, career start somewhere around there so the injury count like over the last 5 years is one thing but it's the it's, it's the injury the the specific injuries that he has had which is particularly concerning because it's been his neck and his back mm. and that's not yeah. good so i look at him now the same way that you know we kind of looked at like Jason Peters Back, yeah. you know, n- not more recently, but like 2016, 2017 version of Jason Peters, where he's going to be good when he plays, but you can pretty much count on him missing some time yeah. at least uh, during the season. So the Cowboys have to hope that 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 you know when he's out, it's just not at the worst time possible. Uh, Lyle Collins is kind of a weird thing because uh, yeah, his agent put out a tweet that said, "I'll read it here. I have it pulled up." To address the rumors, no, my client Lyle Collins is not retiring. <laughs> he, <laughs> he loves football and the Dallas Cowboys and is working for a Super Bowl ring. Have a blessed weekend, everyone. And, like, when that came out, like, Cowboys fans were like, what? <laughs> what, what rumor is this that you're talking about? Like, yeah. They didn't even know what he was talking about. So I think that's, yeah. like, there's something, too. Like, that's interesting that, like, the, his agent felt the the need to, to – put that out there when nobody was even like thinking that there was any issue with Lyle Collins. So that's another thing. And then, you know, you look at Zach Martin, who's arguably the best right guard in the NFL. I think, uh, you know, some people would argue Brandon Brooks, but whatever, who cares? Like he's been an elite player for a long time, but he's getting up there in age. Uh, You know, he's, he's had some injury issues of his own. Um, So with him, like the decline is going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of, does that happen? Does that begin to happen in 2021 or is it a little further away? And then Zeke. If we're talking about Yo, the Cowboys yeah, offense yeah, yeah, yeah. and the declines. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I would this... have him a little higher on my list. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, go ahead. But keep going. I mean, it you, you brought it up before.
1: What is the stat? Like how many carries does he have compared to everyone else? Yeah, so NFL? uh
2: he has more career touches. No, I'm sorry, there's only one running back currently on a, an NFL roster with more career touches than him. Which is insane. Do you know who that is, by the way? Uh, is it Gurley? It's or... not. Oh, did Gurley sign somewhere?
1: Uh, I think he did. Or actually, no, maybe not. I think he was. He's gonna. To... No, I don't think he has. Because you're history. right, Gurley does
2: have more career touches. But uh, okay, it's uh, he's sign right it's, now. It's Mark Ingram. Oh, okay. Who is True. who is Forgot who is basically? I mean, he's old, but he stayed in the league for yeah. such a long time because his touches were limited every year. Like he. Rarely ever had like more than 200 touches in, in a season. But Zeke has had a crazy number of touches and he's clearly in decline. <laughs> like, like your yeah. career lows. I'm just going to read off the, the statistical categories where he had career lows last year. So, rushing yards per game, yards per carry, yards per reception, yards per target, rushing touchdowns, total touchdowns, rushing first downs per game, rushes of 20 plus yards, and rushes of 40 plus yards. All career lows. He had a career high in one category though, and that was fumbles with six yeah. of them. So, like you just look at their games last year, and I think you and I would both agree. I think we both said this maybe. Like Tony Pollard looked like a better running back than him last year. Yep, their backup. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you know he was or not or whatever. Like because I didn't see all of their games, but um, you know, certainly Zeke is not the player that he was you know, his first, you know, couple of years in the NFL.
1: Yeah. I think the Cowboys are probably going to waste touches on Zeke when they probably should either be throwing the ball or giving the ball to Tony Pollard. Like, I think they're absolutely going to like hinder their offense to some extent, not to the extent it's going to be a bad offense, but like they're not going to maximize, I feel like the potential of their offense whenever they're like really making Zeke into a workhorse. Um, I wanted to touch on the fumble thing real quick. Zeke, so I looked at fumble rates recently because obviously you know you can look at the volume numbers he had the mm-hmm. most in the NFL but i wanted to see like you know how much compared to his touches he had one fumble for every 49 touches that was <laughs> worst among the NFL the top running backs that I saw except for Miles Sanders who had won every 48 touches. <laughs> That's so, right? That's funny. Not very good, Mr. Miles Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Oh, we never got to the uh, th-
2: we never got to the positive aspects of, of this team by the way, yeah. which you know, in theory it's Yeah, the, it did. It's a, they're going to have a good offense. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, the offensive line in theory could be, you know, I mean, they're they're going to be better cuz they're going to get all these guys back. But uh, obviously, offensively, those receivers are awesome. Like Amari Cooper, yeah. the trio of Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, they're just really good. Blake Jarwin, by the way, I kind of like as a tight end. He missed almost mm-hmm. the entire. Into- I think the actually he did miss the entire season last year, so he'll be back right. as well. Yeah, um, I mean they're just they're just a the powerhouse in terms of their their skill players. Um, the the biggest deficiency on this team obviously is is their, their defense, and mm-hmm. particularly their run defense was horrible last year. Uh, I, like I went through the, the Giants offensive ranks. Um, I'm just going to go through some very quickly, some Cowboys run defense ranks. So total rushing yards allowed last year, 31st. Rushing yards per carry, 30th. Rushing TDs allowed, 25th. Rushes of 20 plus yards, 30th. Rushing first downs allowed, 31st. And then percentage of rushes resulting in a first down, 25th. So like they just couldn't stop like the base expectation of a defense which is you know stopping the run and you can't stop the run it opens up everything else offensively so uh they got to get that fixed and i don't think they did so they drafted like a ton like their first how many picks six i think I think the first six picks in the 2021 nfl draft were all defensive players but you look at like their starting rotation on defense and it is garbage like demarcus Mm -hmm. lawrence is a good player and that's, that's like, that's it. Like that's all, that's all they have on their defensive line. Like Randy Gregory might, you know, it might contribute, like might like actually be on the team for the entirety of the season for the first time ever, like not get suspended. Maybe. So maybe we'll see how that goes. But, you know, for, for me, he's probably just more of like a, a pass rush specialist anyway. So, you know, you have, you have Lawrence and then beyond him, um, uh, like their starting defensive tackles are like. Tristan Hill and uh, the other, oh Neville Gallimore, uh, who they drafted, in, you know, in the third round a year ago. So like, it's not a very compelling group on that defensive line. And then you look at their linebackers; like, they're loaded up with a lot of names, but to be determined if they can kind of ever be back to where they were the one year that they were really good with Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith sort of playing at their highest levels as as pros. And then in the secondary, like, they're kind of in a similar spot. As the Eagles at that, you know, at that CB two spot because they have uh, Trayvon Diggs at at their you know at, as their top corner, and I think he's going to be in the NFL for a long time and be a good player. But beyond him, like it's either their second round pick Calvin Joseph, who basically just asked his coach, like, can I just take a week off <laughs> like, during the season mm-hmm. last year? That's a whole like thing that we can get into, but maybe. Probably it'll take too long, and then beyond him, it's like Anthony Brown, C.J. Goodwin, guys like that. Where like to, to, to compare that to the Eagles, like who's their CB two going to be? Is it like Zach McPherson? Is it Craig James? Is it Michael Chiketty? They're kind of like in a similar situation there. So I mean, they have problems up and down on their defense, and in my opinion, like until that gets legitimately fixed, again, they're not going anywhere. Let's say
1: game is on the line a game of hanging in the balance and a team is playing an offense against the Cowboys. Like who are you counting on to make a play? Even if it's not a critical situation, who are you counting on, on the Cowboys defense to like make a big play?
2: I mean, I'm I'm shaking my, it'd be Lawrence. like DeMarcus Lawrence is like the, the only like really like definitely good player on the, but even he's been like a major disappointment. Like he had that weird off season where, He had a he had a shoulder injury and that required surgery and he was just like not getting surgery until you do my contract and then they caved they did his contract and then he got the shoulder surgery like that's a that guy's going to be on their cap you know each year going forward for like over twenty five million years so like he's he's not living like he had uh he's average I think he had eleven sacks over the past two years since he got that contract off the top of my head I'm not sure if those numbers are totally accurate but it was right around there so like he's a guy that. Uh, has underperformed, but he like that's the answer. Like if if they're looking for someone to make a play in a key spot, it's this underachieving guy since he got this contract that would have to do it.
1: I think you said there's 50 players with more sacks than Demarcus. Yeah, Barnes at least in the past at years. least
2: however num however many number of sacks he had, which was either yeah. 11 or 11.5, I think. Uh, there are 50 players in the NFL that had at least that number, and then obviously there are a lot of guys that are like have like mm-hmm. way more, like you know about, right. up to like 30 or so uh
1: yeah so i look at it that way i mean maybe mike mike parsons will be really good i don't know Mm -hmm. like i think he's pretty talented but there are are question marks in terms of uh like off the field or maturity or whatever so we'll see how you know he translates to the nfl and then obviously just the impact of a linebacker like how much is even if he's i mean if he's really elite sure but if he's just kind of like good well i don't know does that really move the needle for that defense as a whole and i look i think their defense is going to be better this year simply for the fact it probably can't be as embarrassingly bad as it was last year and while i think Dan Quinn like might be overrated and that the Cowboys like going all in on him in terms of like their draft picks and trying to build like this Dan Quinn defense is kind of like a silly idea to me. I think he's at least like a real NFL defensive coordinator whereas like Mike Nolan clearly was not. Like that's not like a that's like, it's not a viable option. Right, like right. that's like a joke of a pick. Like Dan Quinn is like, "Okay, he might be bad, but like I can see what you're thinking. At least like <laughs> yeah. there's some credibility to this idea." Um so maybe that helps. And then it might not matter. If their de- like their defense can suck, but if the offense is going to be like elite, elite, then it really might not matter that much as long as they can kind of play like timely defense, maybe get some turnovers here and there, and again, not just be a total like laughing stock in and out. Then like that's their formula.
2: I love that they drafted a bunch of guys that specifically fit his defense. By the way, like okay, yeah. let's hire this like bot like you know bottom half of the league defensive coordinator, and then use all, all know, a bunch of our draft picks to to specifically fit his scheme. Mm-hmm. Smart strategy, guys. <laughs> Anything else on the Cowboys, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I covered the secondary. Oh, I guess we should probably get to Mike McCarthy um, because. Oh, yeah. You know, How do we forget? They, they, they hired him last year because they believed that they're ready to compete for Super Bowl. And they thought that he would at least bring, you know, head coaching experience to the table. Uh, and again, that was probably just a, a matter of Jerry Jones overrating his own team. And, you know, now they're just kind of, they just kind of have this. You know, veteran head coach, but who isn't very compelling. And it's probably just going to be a matter of them spinning their wheels with him until the Mike McCarthy year is over, until they find somebody else. So it's my opinion, like he's kind of the epitome of football head coach purgatory.
1: I agree with you. I feel like when the Cowboys hired Mike McCarthy, I was totally fine with that. I was afraid they were going to get like Met Rule and I would be scared of that. Mm-hmm. Like Someone would come up. Or even maybe a Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, Miley, yeah. But like they hired this guy who really kind of fits the Cowboys in a perfect way, and that he is more flash than substance. Like that is Mike McCarthy. <laughs> um, you look at his resume; like it looks good on paper, but we all know he underachieved with the Packers, and he was a big reason for yeah. that. Um, the, the Packers are doing pretty decently without him now. Obviously, you know they haven't won a Super Bowl, but you know thirteen wins into the past two seasons. Um, yeah, I I just don't really see where mike mccarthy gives the cowboys a big edge and now that doesn't like necessarily matter a ton because you know you have kellen moore there as your like your play caller mm-hmm. i think he's pretty good so the offense is going to be good but i think it kind of comes down to like the bigger picture things like the kind of the ceo kind of head coach strengths and to me like i said with rivera earlier and why i have this argument with rj who thinks mccarthy is the bed head coach best head coach in the v- division and it's not rivera to me i feel like the cowboys didn't respond to adversity well last year there were clearly like leaks early on in the season yeah. when they were really bad about like the cowboys defense being a joke or whatever um so you had players complaining i think just like you had um didn't like jerry jones i mean obviously there's a jerry jones factor of it all That's a different thing but i i just don't think like the way you look at it that I think the Cowboys should have won the division last year, reasonably yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. what they had. Like Andy Dalton was way better than anything that Washington was. Not that Andy Dalton's great, but I think he's way better or significantly better, especially given the pieces he has too. If you're counting all of that, you know, with was the it, like weapons, this, their, their he had.
2: offense was their offense in general is still way better than anyone else in the division. Yeah, and
1: for them not to win, I think was like a even with losing Dak is still like underachieving. Like they could have reason. I think people kind of give them a pass just because they like lost Dak and like the expectation was like, oh, if they win the NFC, that's just a bonus. No, they still should have won it. Uh, and i think it's you know it's an underachievement that they didn't and i like how does mike mccarthy inspire any confidence like wh- what do you feel really, really good about and i can't wait till hard knocks to me because i feel like we're gonna get like <laughs> we, we didn't even mention of, they're gonna
2: be on hard knocks again yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i i feel like they're gonna we're gonna get a couple of good
2: mike mccarthy clips or it's like <laughs> that guy is just a boob yeah, yeah. and you, actually you know kudos for to the to the cowboys for I mean, they have to be volunteering to do this at this point, right? Because, like, it's the third time they've done it. And, you know, they were actually, like, probably the most compelling team to watch on uh, All or Nothing when they were on that. Like, they were at least the most uh, willing to sort of show, like, uh, you know, bad things like that or like the Eagles version. Was just so watered down. It was like they, was, they they yeah. were definitely like uh, saying you can't put that in, can't put that in, can't put that in. Whereas the Cowboys were a little more open about their faults during that season. That they, of course, were were on the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So it was especially like interesting to watch it from from that lens. But uh, yeah, I kind of like them as a as a subject on on Hard Knocks because I'm a familiar with them and B they're a little more open with uh, with what they I believe allowed the NFL and whoever else uh to show but uh yeah you're right like we're gonna we're gonna see some warts uh on that team uh like like we saw in all or nothing like there are plenty of things like to make fun of jason garrett from from that series like mm-hmm. you had like a guy like sleeping like <laughs> during his meeting they showed him. like it's crazy like and uh so yeah it'll, it'll be fun to like if like if, let's say the jaguars are on there are you watching that no like Cowboys are on there. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll watch it. I'll, like, it's Hard Knocks it's kind of like become something for me. Like, you know, I'll watch like the first episode, and then like I'm just eh, I'm bored. I'm not gonna watch this. And then like you know, after the season's over, if they're running like a marathon, I might just uh you know have that on like while I'm laying on the sofa one day or something like that. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll actually watch it with with the Cowboys being on there. And uh, you're right. Like it it'll be fun to see who shows their awards on that and mccarthy is a very good candidate for that one
1: yeah and i actually in a rare move by me i do want to give the cowboys credit too because they do a good job i think jerry jones i don't know if it's his call or whoever but their their media like their their stuff on their website or even or the stuff that they produce like the cowboys like they allow their people to be critical oh, yes. right write, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, uh-huh. they writers like they allow them to like rip the team which is great and uh yeah and and should be kind of the culture. Like, it's okay to say they're not saying, like, the team, you know, they're being, obviously, they're being respectful and they're doing it within reason. But, uh, I mean, they're just trying to be fair. But, uh, yeah. Anyway.
2: Yeah. I have friends with the Eagles that, that, like, you know, have their content shut down sometimes. So, like, uh-huh. so yeah, the, the Cowboys are a lot more open with that kind of thing than, than many other franchises.
1: Uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy, on the Cowboys
2: or otherwise? Uh, I mean, it's a terrible division still. (laughs) Like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's probably still, do you think it's still the worst division in the NFL? Like let's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah, I, I guess like, you know, you could maybe look at like the AFC South, but I think the Titans are going to be pretty good. Um, and the Colts, you know, um, I'm a little more down on them than, uh, than Mm -hmm. others because I don't think their quarterback's good, but, um, uh but I don't think they'll be a tire fire. No, 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 yeah, they'll they'll still probably they'll still probably win more games than they lose. Uh the AFC East is better, NFC North is obviously better, AFC West is better, NFC North maybe is a candidate if Rogers is gone. Yeah, 80. if Rogers is gone. If Rogers is gone. NFC South is definitely better and the NFC West is obviously way better. So yeah, it's either going to be the worst division in the NFL, or if uh, you know the MVP of the league switches teams, then another division <laughs> you know might be worse. But yeah, it's it's going to be bad. And uh, I think the Eagles. Where, where do you have the Eagles finishing in the division?
1: I'm going to say. Huh, did I do this? Hmm. I did do the record prediction and everything, but I
2: forget where I put them. I'm going to say. what your? In fact, let's take it a step further. Give, give me your order. Record. Give me your order of finish.
1: I'm going to say from – let's go bottom up. I'm going to say Eagles at the bottom. Okay. Giants ahead of them. Cowboys, Washington football team. Wins the division for the second year in a row.
2: From bottom up, I'm going to go Giants, hmm. Eagles, Washington, Dallas.
1: Wow. Okay. Jimmy, the big Cowboys fan, as he always <laughs> is known us. <laughs> um,
2: okay. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. So I don't know if that's necessarily a final thought, but uh, – it's going to be uh it's going to be fun to cover it was kind of fun to covering just the sheer awfulness of the division mm-hmm. last year. It was kind of fun making those I don't know if uh, it'll be as fun in year 2 like maybe those jokes will get stale or whatever. But um I don't know. I'm getting I'm I'm excited that uh we we are now allowed to actually go places and do stuff. So I'm a, I'm uh looking forward to getting onto an airplane without any fear and sort of exploring some new cities this off season or the, during the season rather and uh uh it'll be good to get back to real football uh with you know full capacity uh, stadiums and whatnot and as you mentioned in the last podcast like mm-hmm. like uh, i think that was actually during the final thought uh, portion again but uh yeah it, it, like there's there's no going to be getting away from uh, you know, booze and and no. you know, vocal in-game uh, negativity and feedback from the fan base,
1: much to Jenny Green's chagrin. Um, <laughs> uh, this has been BGN Radio. Before we leave, Jimmy, I guess we should set the stage moving forward. So Eagles training camp begins at the yes. end of this month, and with that, we will be ramping up our preview coverage both here on Bleeding Green Nation, obviously Philly Voice, and BGN Radio. So. Um, we will have some preview content coming to you here in the future. So, obviously, subscribe, rate, review, download, all that good stuff. So, you're not missing any of it. And then, once training camp actually begins, uh, and Jimmy hasn't agreed to this, but I am saying he is right now, is Daily Pods once again. Really? You know, da- we'll do did daily we do that pod. last year? We did. Okay. Daily Pods for training camp practice. So, we'll kind of tell you what we saw in addition to the notes that we'll write on our sites. So, those will be fun. You can look forward to that later this month. Um, In the meantime, you know, a lot of good stuff on the Weeding Your Nation podcast feed. You know, Rachelle has her above the desk that she does her roundup each week. We have uh, Seamus doing some stuff for the feed, as always, from the bleachers. Um, We have the NFC East mixtape with me and RJ. Maybe uh, I I wanted to get him involved in the dumpster fire thing, but I couldn't figure it out. So we didn't. That's fine. Um, Whatever. We'll figure something out. And yeah, I think that just about does it for what's on the podcast in terms of supporting this podcast, what you can do loyal listener. We really appreciate it. Not only because you're helping support us, but you're helping support yourselves. And we'd like to see you be happy. You go to right to sell .com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Right to sell on Craft Turkey, the best beef jerky the best meat snacks and other non-meat snacks too on their website available that you can get so go check that out just give it a look it doesn't cost anything to go to the website and see what they have and then if you like it give it a try you can also go to wildnaturepet.com and get 15% off dog snacks dog treats whatever you want to call them by using the same discount code bgn15 so wildnaturepet.com for that one And, yeah, this has been BGN Radio. And sell your house already,
2: you cowards, and call Kristen Sell your house.
1: Come on. (laughs) Go to Kristen Roach for Roach Realtors to sell your house or buy a house or (laughs) rent or whatever. Multiple options for you. So go do all that. And follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowden. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. We keep it simple. Follow BGN Radio on Twitter, BGN underscore radio. We will be back sometime next week. And until then. Goodbye, everybody.
0: P G and